Well, it's been uh, quite, quite the year, hasn't it? And for sure, there have been many, many, many blessings and good things that have come about in these last 12 months. But for most human beings across the planet, this last year has been life-altering. Most people have been hurt emotionally, physically, psychologically, economically, relationally. And if you have a heart, these months have been heartbreaking, either because of what we have witnessed or experienced ourselves. Well, this last week, I sent two questions out to over 20 people. All are people of faith, people of various ages and lots in life. And the folks I asked these two questions represent somewhat of a, of a cross section of our chapel family. And the first question I asked was this, if this last year was represented by a road, what kind of road would it be? Here's a sample of what folks sent me, and I generally quote. I'd say the road has been one like you would find in a third world country. Lots of speed bumps, potholes, and perils along the road at every turn. Every time you come around a corner thinking it'll improve, it only represents a new challenge. A road with multiple detours, cancellations, boring, scary, uncertain, and tiring, very muddy. The road has been driven on and dried into almost impassable bumps and ruts. There's no smooth path anywhere. A road with twists and turns and sometimes more dicey and certainly less enjoyable. The road is isolated, muddy, snowy, and rough. The road is a busy freeway in a traffic jam. The cars, except for a few, are all stopped. Whatever it was I was headed towards, it's too late. I've missed it. Even though I'm surrounded by people in cars, I'm isolated from them. Signage is not good. Too many cars trying to pass in dangerous places. Very few nice rest stops. Are there detours ahead? Now, with very few exceptions, the themes I just shared are what most people expressed. And as I ponder the words expressed, I, I feel the palpable weight these images convey. That said, for sure, there are and have been blessings everywhere these last 12 months, haven't there? As some people pointed out in their responses. I'm very clear that there are some great people all around us every day. So many people have been selfless in extraordinary ways and done so much for other people. Families have had a chance to reconnect. And through it all, God has been and is in charge. God is guiding us and will get us through this. God will prevail. It's also true that a lot of great things have happened for some people during this pandemic, which is wonderful. I also know some folks who actually feel guilty for being better off now than they were before the whole thing started. But in the midst of all of these truths, I cannot minimize or deny the responses of people to the question I asked, because it's real and represents a lot of what people are feeling. This has been a rubber meets the road year for all of us when it comes to our faith. And it's been more than hard at times and often 
discouraging. I asked people a second question. The question was, if you were a car on the road, you described, what has been the impact on you, the car, as a result of traveling on that road? Again, here is how people responded. Tiring, expensive, frustrating. The car is beat up with bolts loosening everywhere, at least one broken strut and tires dangerously close to deflation. My car is like Mater in the movie Cars. The car is alone and introspective with lots of wear and tear. The car is anxious for a gas station, parentheses vaccine, so it can have plenty of fluid to move forward. The car is idling and with every hour it gets closer to the moment when either the engine overheats or blows up or simply runs out of gas. I sputter a lot. My tires are out of balance. My headlights have so much grime that I can hardly see the road. The rear windshield wipers don't work. The GPS is haywire. I'm an old Model A. Beat up, some permanent damage. I need to go to the shop for repairs. I am tired, no pun intended. I'm almost out of gas due to the hills and tires are all worn out. My miles have been few with only short trips. At least I've saved on gas and maintenance. I know we're all in unique and different places. I know many of us have experienced good things in the midst of the bad. But what I just shared reflects that many of us are tired and worn out as a result of what we've been through. Doesn't mean we don't have hope. Doesn't mean we don't have trust in God. It doesn't mean we're not grateful for what is good and right. But it does mean this has been a really, really hard journey. Heck, it's been hard for me. It's been a tough time to be a pastor. It's not been easy to figure out how to worship, how to care for people, how to stay connected with each other, what to do with children and youth, how to keep people safe. It's not been easy as political anger is off the charts on all sides and sometimes directed at me. It's not been easy to, to keep perspective. It's not been easy to figure out how to do church in the 21st century in a pandemic. But I need to be clear, I am not complaining. Each of us has been challenged, whatever our lot in life, regardless of how our responsibilities are spelled out. And I need for you to know that in the midst of the challenges I just mentioned, I am so grateful for the chapel, for each of you, and probably for the most astonishing staff on the planet. And I mean that, team. <laughs> Guys are awesome. I'm grateful we're clear that love is what matters. That's what this place is about. That's what our walk with Jesus is about. We're crystal clear on that. Love of God, love of each other, and learning to love ourselves. And gosh, it's hard work, isn't it? But it's what we're supposed to do. I'm glad our clear focus is Jesus and that we take what he said seriously. I'm thrilled that we include everyone at all levels, whether on staff or in the pews. 
I'm glad we know who we are and that we would never exclude some people as some people have wanted me to because of their gender or who they choose to love or their background or life history or political views. I'm glad we're that kind of place. I'm glad we reach out beyond our walls in big ways and that we put our money where our mouth is and sharing. I'm glad we put people first ahead of rules. I'm glad we celebrate and give thanks for everyone who has made this place possible over the years and that we know a church is not a building. I'm glad we can cry together, ask tough questions together, get confused together. I'm glad we can make mistakes and fail and that's okay. I'm glad we all understand we need Jesus because we can't make it on our own without him. I'm glad we continually have the chance to learn to, to forgive as Jesus did and that we know when it's all said and done, we're all in this together. I'm thrilled we love being together and cannot wait to be together, all together in big ways. Frankly, I cannot imagine these last 12 months without each of you, my family, the team, and this chapel. What a blessing. Thank you. Thank all of you. So it's with all of this in mind this week that we begin a five-week series entitled Realign or Realignment. You see, I think that many of us have at times felt out of sorts during the last year. Like a car that's been on a road filled with potholes, a lot of us are probably feeling like we need to get our cars, in other words, ourselves, realigned in a variety of ways. So each week we're going to get into different ways in which we can get realigned, get back to who we want to be and how we want to live life. Get back on track. Today's the first Sunday in Lent. Timing's perfect. Historically, Lent's been a time for reflection and prayer and making adjustments in one's life and relationship with God and other people. And as you know, it's a 40-day period plus Sundays that goes from Ash Wednesday the night before Easter. So as we begin our Lenten series of realignment, this week's topic is offering some thoughts about turning things around in our lives. You see, I know when I'm feeling out of kilter, out of sorts, not like myself, and I desperately want to turn something around, I've learned that what is helpful is to name what it is, to claim what it is, and to rectify it. I also know that when I'm not feeling connected to God as I would want, it's equally helpful to name. I'm not close to God right now to claim it. I need to acknowledge this and to rectify it, to do something about it. The same can be said when a relationship does not feel like it's in a good place or there's something going on that is causing upset, stress, or just a feeling of being discombobulated. For example, in the last 12 months, there have been moments in which I simply felt overwhelmed. 
And when I named how I was feeling, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. When I claimed that I needed to address feeling overwhelmed, I put myself in a place to do something about feeling overwhelmed. But I would not have done something about it had I not named it and claimed it. You see, it may sound simplistic, but there's great truth in it. When we name what it is, when we claim what it is and own it, and when we work to rectify it with God's help, that's how we turn things around. Now, there's a loaded word for what I'm talking about, and that word is the word repentance. The word repentance is loaded because we all know that some people have used the word to inflict guilt. Some people have used the word to make people feel less than God's beloved. Some people have used the word in such a way that enables them to be angrily judgmental. But repentance is none of these things. You see, the word repent means to turn around. And when we're feeling out of sorts, not ourselves, out of touch with God, or out of alignment with who we want to be, sometimes repentance is the way to turn something around. For example, there have been times in my life in which God felt very far away. And I remember one such time in which I was unhappy with God because it felt as if God was not responding in any way. And over time, it became clear to me that I had moved away from praying and simply spending time with God, talking with God, listening for God's voice. And when I named that that was going on, when I claimed I took ownership of that on my part, of what I was doing, I shifted up how I was relating to God. I rectified it and some of my expectations of myself. That's what repentance is. It's naming, claiming it, taking ownership, doing something about it. Every one of us has things in our lives to turn around or that we would like to be different. Some of us have lost touch with how we want to show up in the world, how we respond to other people or gotten off track in terms of aligning our thoughts and actions with Jesus. Doesn't mean we're bad. It's just that a chronic crisis like we've been through and are going through can throw us off and cause us to be out of alignment, so to speak. Repenting by naming, claiming, and rectifying is one path to help us. And with that said, I just want to offer a few thoughts about repentance in general. Repentance is not about beating ourselves up for doing something or not doing something. It's not about beating ourselves up. It is ultimately about forgiveness and receiving forgiveness from God. The purpose of repentance is, is to release us, to free us, to receive God's forgiveness. Even the forgiveness of others or forgiving ourselves is not something done to weigh us down further. Repentance is not about being judgmental towards ourselves or castigating ourselves or self-flagellating ourselves. And goodness knows, please remember, repentance is not telling other people how they need to repent. But repentance is all about taking an honest look at something, about being straight with ourselves and most importantly with God. It's about telling God what it is that we see that we want to turn around. It's about wanting to get something realigned to help us get back on track. 
And gosh, it's hard work. And gosh, it's something we have to do over and over and over again. And while we may not always be able to completely turn something around, repentance enables us to turn things around over which we have control, which is ourselves. Just a few more things. Repentance is not something to add to your to-do list. It's not about meeting another expectation. It's not something to burden us. It's something to free us. It's all about trusting God more and more and learning to release our burdens. It's about letting go. And at its core, it's about accepting God's promise of new beginnings with God's help. My friends, as we continue down the path of a very altered world, a world with hope for sure, but still, still altered, as we continue to adjust what's been thrown at us, as we continue to be confronted with many things that don't reflect how God would have it, as we deal with burdens and sometimes feel like a beat-up car in a bumpy road, I invite us all to turn to the gift of repentance. When we want to turn something around for something to be different, to get back on track or to return to how we'd like it to be, let us name whatever it is to ourselves and to God and to trusted others. Let us claim and take ownership of it. And with God's help and mercy, let us work to rectify it. And so as we get into this Lenten season, I'd like to invite us now, all of us, to spend a few moments in prayer. I'd like to invite you to explore with God some things that you might want to be turning around in your life right now. I invite you to, to talk to God about it, to name what it is, to claim what it is, and to ask God for help. And view these moments as we turn to some silent prayers, a time of release, not as burden. And so let us now spend some moments in prayer with God about repentance. Repentance.